0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: There are things that are holy and set apart to the believer. Um, There are things that we have access to, that we handle, that non-believers don't have access to, can't handle the way that we do. Some of the things, um, we have access to the privilege of prayer. Um, as a believer, as a child of God, we have access, we can intercede, we can pray, we can we can get in touch with heaven, we can speak to the Lord. A, a non-believer doesn't have that. Non-believers can pray to to receive the Lord, but they don't have ongoing interaction. They're, God's not their dad. They don't have an ongoing connection with the Lord.
0: There are special rights that come with being part of the family. You have a key to the door, access to the fridge, and knowledge that you belong. Well, As Pastor Bill explains in today's message, being part of God's family gives you some unique privileges that people without a relationship with the Lord miss out on. One of these is that you have constant access to God through prayer. No time of the day is off limits to you. God is always available, ready to have a conversation and connect. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 22 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. We covered
1: chapter 21, and we were looking at the regulations for the priest. And so these were the regulations that the priest was to live by, uh, the things he was to do, was not to do, so forth and so on. As we come to chapter 22, uh, we're going to look at the things that would cause the priest to be ceremonially unclean. Uh, We'll look at the results of that, because if he were unclean, he would not be able to uh, partake of the food or the sacrifice that were normally made available And so today we're looking at just how to stay in service. And so, um, and we'll draw many applications for us uh, as New Testament saints, but I'm going to read verses one through three, Leviticus 22. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons that they separate themselves from the holy things of the children of Israel and that they do not profane my holy name by what they dedicate to me. I am the Lord. Say to them, whoever of all your descendants throughout your generations who goes near the holy things which the children of Israel dedicate to the Lord while he has uncleanness upon him, that person shall be cut off from my presence. I am the Lord. And this is what's being established here. God is saying, hey, I've I've set apart Levi. I've set apart this tribe to serve me as priest but and I've given to them regulations for their conduct their behavior who they could marry and all those sorts of things and now we're saying if they were to become unclean in some way um you know they became unclean they could become they could they could wait and wash and be made ceremonially clean again but until then they weren't to touch they weren't to partake they weren't to be able to enjoy all the things that God had made available to them so the big deal here, and we're gonna—it's going to be developed as we go through the chapter—is for the priest, if they did something that made them unclean, if they touched a dead person, if they, um, you know, what are all the different number of things that could make them unclean, until they were pronounced clean again, then they could not partake. All the benefits of the priesthood were now withdrawn. They couldn't eat of the sacrifice. They couldn't touch of the holy things, uh, or they would defile the temple. And God said, if they were to do this they would be cut off. And so I was considering this and what application would have for us. Obviously, none of us are priests, none of us are Levites, and none of us are serving in a a temple setting. But we did look at 1 Peter 2.9, how that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and we're also set apart to do great things for the Lord. And there are things that you and I could do that would cause us to be unclean, unfit, for service to the Lord. There are things that we could do that would cause our service, cause our fellowship, um, cause all the things that God makes available to us as New Testament saints uh, to be cut off. And so while we look at the priests, I wanna also look at those things that we can do. Like the priests, how come the restriction was so heavy? Because they handled holy things. Everything in the tabernacle, when we read the word holy, it's set apart things. These things were special and they were just set apart for God and for His people. And they weren't common things. They weren't things that anybody could handle, anybody could touch, anybody could be around. They were holy. They were set apart. So too with us. There are things that are holy and set apart to the believer. Um, there are things that we have access to, that we handle, that nonbelievers don't have access to, can't handle the way that we do. Some of the things. Um, we have access to the privilege of prayer. Um, as a believer, as a child of God, we have access. We can intercede. We can pray. We can We can get in touch with heaven, we could speak to the Lord. A non-believer doesn't have that. Non-believers can pray to to receive the Lord, but they don't have ongoing interaction. There God's not their dad. They don't have an ongoing connection with the Lord. We have access to the word of God It's opened up to us. God speaks to the believer through the word of God. We have a God will open it up and speak to us and reveal things and illuminate it to a non-believer and we'll see later on they, they don't have that same interaction, that same encounter with the living word. Uh, We're called God's kids. We represent him in the world. Nonbelievers are not called God's kids. They're not his representation. It doesn't matter how they behave, what they do. And so as we read these things and look at what they do and look at how they can uh, be cut off, we want to be careful that we watch our lives. I want to enjoy everything God's made available to me. I don't want there to be uncleanness in my life that would cut me off, uh, that would hinder uh, my access to all that God's made available. And some believers live their life in that kind of way. All these things that God has just richly poured out for us. And there are Christians that have the the opportunity, but they never take full advantage of the things that God has made available to them. So moving on again, verse three, it says, um, whoever of all your descendants throughout all your generation who goes near the holy things uh, with which the children of Israel dedicate to the Lord while he has uncleanness upon him, that person is going to be cut off. And the uncleanness would represent for us sin. Just like for them, uncleanness may have been violation of God's law for them, touching a dead thing. Um, You know, some violation of what God had called them to live by. For you and I, sin in our life would be uncleanness. And sin in our lives will cause us, too, to be set apart from service to the Lord. Um, And there should be a standard. Um, I've I've actually um, at one point I was at a church where there was no real moral standard for people that could serve in the church. All you had to have was talent or ability. And so I was at a church and I, I'll never forget it. It was a brother name. I won't say his name on the tape, but there was a brother there and he could sing and he could play the piano on the keyboards and the organ. And, um, and he would come and he would play Sunday morning and he would stay and, you know, he would come back and play Sunday night and they would pay him Sunday night. Um, at this church, they paid all the musicians. They would pay him Sunday night and, And I never knew what that was all about. You know, I thought the guy must love the Lord, he's a worshiper, I mean, he was just a wonderful singer and all this stuff. And one day I went out witnessing. um, In Inglewood, I was on Manchester where my apartment was. I went out at night, and I was walking up the block witnessing, and I walked up on a group of guys that were, when I walked up on them, they were smoking crack as I was walking up, and then I seen this brother there. and I was like, whoa, hey, brother such and such. I'm like, what's up? And I'm blown away, I'm thinking, and I'm sure, the pastor doesn't know that that, that this guy has a, a problem with crack, and I, I talked to him that night. Then I go home with him. I walk home with him, and as I walk home with him, um, I found out that not only did he have a crack problem, he also was living with another woman from the church. And so I was like, wow. And, and she also got down, and I was just blown away. She was in the choir, and she was and all these different things. So, Um, as I watched this and I went to talk to the pastor and I said, Hey, did you know this? And they said, yeah, that's why we don't pay him till Sunday night. Um, if we paid him Sunday morning, they said he would never come back for Sunday night. And I was just blown away that they would use a man like that, that he could be in every week service. And they knew he had that kind of, and there was no concern to help him out. Um, he just would show up and do his thing. And, and then at the end of the day, get his pay and that would be it. So That's wrong. (laughs) That's bad. That's making that's what that's like making merchandise of people. And I I believe the way the church is supposed to function is when people come to the doors. We're not first looking at what they could do for us. What can you do? What do you have? It's not that first. It's who are you? What do you need? How can we serve you? that's our first line of interaction with people. Who are you? Where'd you come from? How are you doing? Where are you at with the Lord? How can we serve you, bless you, help you, strengthen you, build you? And eventually that'll all flip around and they'll be part of serving and they'll help when people come to the doors do the same thing over and over again. Um, but there should be requirement upon those that serve. And so just like the Levites and those that serve in the priesthood, uncleanness will cut you off. It's supposed to be that way. And so for us too. Sin will cause someone to to not be used Um, It'd be better for you to be built up and ministered to and washed and cleansed Than to be being used at a particular time And so that's what was happening here This is why Paul said, if you're writing notes, you can write down 1 Corinthians 9.27 Paul said, but I discipline my body The old King James said, I beat my body I I discipline my body and bring it into subjection Least what I have preached to others I myself shall become Disqualified and Paul understood, I, I got to keep myself in order. It's not a given that I'm going to get to do what I'm doing. So he said, I discipline myself. I beat my body into subjection that I might be able to serve Christ. And I wouldn't have served and then find myself to be disqualified later. Um, moving on now, verses four through nine. It says, whatever man of the descendants of Aaron, who is a leper or has a discharge, shall not eat the holy offerings until he is clean. And whoever touches anything made unclean by a corpse or a man who has an emission of semen or whoever touches any creeping thing by which he would be made unclean or any person by whom he would become unclean, whatever his uncleanness may be. The person who has touched any such thing shall be unclean until evening and shall not eat of the holy offerings unless he washes his body with water. And so first we deal with the leper. Everybody remember earlier we dealt with leprosy several by like chapter seventeen it was like four chapters on leprosy. What is leprosy symbolic of throughout Scripture? Sin. So it's 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 like sin in that if you if the only cure for leprosy is a touch from God, it it brings forth death. It's highly contagious. It brings it causes separation. It's got all these parallels where it's just like sin. Well, someone. If a priest somehow contracts leprosy or becomes a leper, he's no longer able to fulfill his ministry and serve in that way. He would be considered unclean. And just like that, sin brings separation from ministry and service in our lives too. For the priest, leprosy would cause him, you can't serve anymore. You can't be here. You can't serve. You can't touch the holy things. You can't serve the people. Sin in the life of the believer would also bring separation from ministry and service. The unclean priest would also miss out on his daily portion. So not only will he not be able to serve, if you look at verse 4, um, he shall not eat of the holy offerings until he is clean. So the priests were given by God an allotment um, when they offered sacrifice. Part of it was set apart. God said, this is how we take care of the priesthood. Part of the offering is offered up to me. This portion of it goes to the Levite and his family, to the priest and his family, to meet their, um, their regular ongoing needs. But for the priest that was unclean for some reason, he can't eat. And so he would be cut off from being able to partake of that which would bring him nourishment and sustain him. And I just was thinking about that for the believer because it seems like many times it's the case. When people get off into sin, they don't want to be in the Word. They don't want to hear. They don't want to come to church. They don't want to hear Bible study. They don't either read the Bible on their own. Uh, My pastor had this saying, I used to write it in front of my Bibles. He said, sin will keep you from this book and this book will keep you from sin. But it's amazing how when people choose to head off into sin, they don't want to hear this mess. I don't want to hear that. I don't have the appetite for it. I don't I don't have the stomach for it. I, I, I don't want to receive it right now. I'm, 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 my mind's bent in this other direction. And so for the priest, it would keep him from being able to take on his 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 nourishment, his daily um, nourishment of, of what God would have for him for far as the word of God. It lists all these other ways that he could be made unclean, emission of semen, um, touching a creeping thing, uh, unclean animals, so forth and so on. And in verse 6, he gives the remedy for uncleanness. So, what have you been made unclean? Because when you read through verses 4 through 6, a lot of these things are kind of common things you could happen on accident to brush up against a creeping thing. He could just have been with his wife and emission of semen. These aren't sinful things, but they would create uncleanness. Now, the uncleanness here, What requires ceremonial uncleanness, the cure for the priest was to, we'll see, was to wait and to wash. He had to wait until evening and he had to wash. So it wasn't a really big thing, but it, it brought temporary separation between him and his opportunity to serve. Look at verse six. It says, The person who has touched any such thing shall be unclean till evening. And shall not eat the holy offering unless he washes his body with water. So first of all, he had to wait till evening. Why is he got to wait? Um, I believe this is why. In the Jewish mind, the, they, they, the way that they did days at evening, at sunset, at nightfall, that was the beginning of the new day. Um, and so he was unclean until evening. Then there would be the new day. Um, the next day, he's all, he's all good, starting fresh. God does that for you and I too I think at the end of every day um as believers we ought to have we have to sit with the Lord we ought to there ought to be a time in the evening where you just you know reflect you have time with the Lord you look at your day uh there ought to be a time to confess and to to deal with sin and lay things out um, because every one of us gets dirty you know, as we go through our life as we go through the day we see things we hear things we live in a filthy world um, we want to take time to be with the Lord but then It says in Lamentations, um, if you want to write it down in your notes, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, says, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And we're just reminded there that God's mercies for us, they're new every morning. Every morning, I got a fresh opportunity. Uh, They're new every morning for the believer, that we can just start fresh our walk with the Lord, our relationship with God. So first they had to wait until evening. Um, that was the time that God allotted. Then it says they had to wash. Um, there was a ceremonial washing that they had to do to get themselves clean again. And then they were ready to go back into service. They were, they were able to go back and serve the Lord again. How do you and I wash? Every day we live in a filthy world. Every day we, we come into, you know, different contaminants. Um, we may see things, hear things, even do things um, that bring uncleanness in our life. How do you get it right? Um, How do we wash? Um, Two ways. First John one nine says, if you confess your sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So we're we're washed as we confess our sins to the Lord. And then John 15, three, Jesus said, "You're, you're washed or you're clean because of the word that was spoken to you. And so the word of God washes us. Um, the Bible tells husbands in Ephesians 5 that we'll wash our wives with the water of the word the word of God washes us and cleanses us and renews us and so I think every morning everybody ought to have a time to just let your mind be renewed take some time to wash your mind and be in the word and you want to do it in the morning and in the evening you know we're to meditate in the word of God day and night and so um, not just in the morning some people have a time a day that they get with the Lord and they just if they make that one time they check the box. I did it. I did. My, I checked my time. I, I got it in. I'm saying you should do it as often as you can. It may be sometime in the morning. You may get you some more at lunch break. You may get you some more in the evening as often as we can. We want to just be taken in the word. Let the Lord wash us. Um, it may be that you just you may go back to something you already read and meditate on it, but give time to it. But we want to be in the word on a daily on a daily basis throughout the day, because that's how we wash ourselves. We live in a filthy place, you guys. Um, again, there are things all around, and, and God would speak to you. God would minister to you. Many times, it'll be in your time set aside to be with the Lord in the morning that God is preparing you for things that are going to come up. You're going to be prepared to minister to someone else because you were in the Word that morning. You let the Lord speak to you. You'll be better prepared to handle the things that are coming up during the day because you don't know they're coming up yet. But your time in the Word, God will be preparing you for things you don't even know are coming. And you just be, you look back and say, man, I, re- I just read that yesterday. I, I just read that this morning. I, I was looking over that the other day and, and, and something will happen where it just comes back up. And so we want to just stay active, stay in a place where God's word is is coming in. is washing us. is ministering to us because we need it as um, we need it as much as we can, as often as we can. We need to be doing that. So um, moving on now, verse um, seven. And when the sun goes down, he shall be clean. And afterward he, um, afterward, he may eat the holy offering because it is his food. Whatever dies naturally or is torn by beast, he shall not eat to defile himself with it. I am the Lord. They shall therefore keep my ordinances, least they bear sin for it and die thereby if they profane it. I, the Lord, sanctify them. And so a couple more rules. They weren't supposed to eat something that was roll kill. And if it had been torn apart by an animal... And some of this was God just looking out for them health-wise. If it died, and you don't know why it died, it might be poison. It might be something bad happened to it. If it was torn apart by an animal, how long ago was it torn apart? Um, you know, would the animals have any disease or anything else? God said, don't, don't eat roadkill. That, that's not, that's not going to be good for you guys. And I just see practical wisdom here. God looking out for his kids and giving them instruction to keep them from, keep them from harm. Um, next verses 10 through 16, we're going to look at who could eat the offering. Uh, It wasn't available to everybody. Uh, We know the priest and his family. Um, Some people could partake and some people couldn't. So look at verse 10. It said, no outsider shall eat the holy offering. One who dwells with the priest or a hired servant shall not eat the holy thing. So everybody couldn't just eat it. An outsider, I mean, outside of your family, outside of the covenant, they can't eat it. If the priest has hired servants people that he pays to come work they can't eat it verse 11 but if the priest if the priest buys a person with his money he may eat it and the one who was born in his house may eat his food so this is a if he has a slave if he bought someone um again every time we come up with biblical slavery I want to just explain in this instance here if he bought someone um their slaves became like their family so God said, in that case, if they were part of the family, they lived there, you purchased them, they're there in servitude, they can eat. Um, your hired servants, those that you're paying to come work and go, they can't. But if you purchase a person, if a person was there as a slave, they could eat of it. Verse 12, if the priest's daughter is married to an outsider, she may not eat the holy offerings. So if the priest's daughter went out and married a non-believer. Um, she couldn't come back and eat this food. <laughs> it's just, I guess if she married a believer, they could come over for dinner. But if she married a non-believer, that's that's how I'm taking it. So if any of my daughters marry non-believers, y'all can't come eat here. Um, you got to go to you got to go to McDee's, you know. But um, if she married an outsider, um, they weren't they weren't able to uh, partake. But if the priest's daughter is a widow, her husband died or divorced um, and has no child. And has returned to her father's house as in her youth. She may eat her father's food, but no outsider shall eat it. Um, Last two verses, 14 through 16. And if a man eats the holy offering unintentionally, then he shall restore a holy offering to the priest and add one fifth to it. They shall not profane the holy offering of the children of Israel, which they offer to the Lord or allow them to bear the guilt of trespass when they eat the holy offerings, for I, the Lord, sanctify them. So this food wasn't common food. It was in the temple. It was holy food. It was set apart. It was for the priest and his family. And so just like today, if you don't make it clear to people who can eat it and who can't, everybody would be, I mean, if you, if you can imagine at the temple, um, there was like nonstop barbecue happening. So if you were hungry and you just see like, man, they sacrifice all the time. Think about all the sin. And all the sinners and all the sacrifices that were happening there at the, so if you were friends with the priest or you had relation with them, um, I could see people trying to work the system. Y'all know how people do. Hey, I was going to come by and worship with you guys today, man, you know, just come and see if you can get some lamb um, or whatever. So God made restrictions and said, you know what, it's not for everybody. Outsiders, no, it's for the priest and his family. This is the minister to their need. Um, the daughter, before she's married, that she's covered. She marries an outsider. She can't have any. Um, if husband dies and she comes back home like when she was a kid, then she can have it again. Um, but God says who can have it and who can't. I thought about this with regard to because this is just what they were eating for their nourishment. Right. Outsiders can't have any and. I thought about this because anybody that's tried to explain spiritual things to a non-believer, I know you got frustrated. Um, It's a frustrating thing. You're talking to someone that's not saved, not born again, no illumination of the Holy Spirit. You really don't want to waste your time sharing anything but the gospel with them. But it, it won't stop them from asking you deep questions, but they can't get it. They can't get it. They can't comprehend it. So you'll be blue in your face. Like, it, just, it makes sense. Because to you, you're illuminated. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And so for you, it's like, look, it's right there. See, see. And they're like, no, nah, I don't see that. I don't see what you see. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 14 says, but the natural man does not receive. He does not receive the things of the spirit of God. Why? For they are foolishness to him. Then it says, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned two things that are key it says he does not receive them and then it says nor can he know them he can
0: that's all we have time for today on the transforming word but we're so glad you joined us for today's teaching on pastor bill as we continue learning from the book of Leviticus together, our prayer is that you begin to understand where you come from. Knowing your roots is so important to understanding your faith in the heart of God. You may think all the rules within the Bible are outdated or just plain don't make sense, but they were there for a reason. They weren't there to punish but rather to guide. And who doesn't need a little guidance from time to time? We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Leviticus and encourage you to read on on your own. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you'll find them on our website, CalvaryEnglewood.org. If you live in or near the Englewood area, we'd love to meet you and invite you to join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at CalvaryEnglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person and you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is CalvaryEnglewood.org. As we come to the end of our time with you today, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience. Would you join us in praying for others who are tuning in and possibly hearing about Jesus for the first time? Please pray that their hearts will be open to the truth that changes lives. Thanks for praying, and thanks for joining us on A Transforming Word.